So hey, today we are concluding. We've been on a series the last four weeks. We've called Activate for Harvest. And uh, this is kind of our kickoff series for 2021. And um, so today we're going to bring all of this together for our concluding message in this series. Oh, 2021. Praise God. We are in 2021. Amen. You're sitting here, you're breathing, you're alive, your heart is beating. May feel like it's a little weaker or a little more tired at this point, but you are here for such a time as this. Amen. Praise God. That means the youngest to the oldest. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you've lost all use because your age or because of your health or because of whatever. Nope, 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 nope. He has a purpose and a plan. 2021, we have been talking about harvesting. It's time to harvest. Amen? Reap what has been sown. What we had the privilege of doing this morning is reaping. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. This is going to happen more and more and more because Jesus is that good, because the gospel is good news, and because we have to tell everyone we know how good he is. Come on. That's our job. As believers in Jesus Christ, you got a commission. You didn't just sign up for a religion that comes on Sunday morning and fills a pew. You signed up for a relationship. You signed up for a commission. You signed up for the best life ever. I mean, wow. And if you want to bow out of that, go ahead. But I'm telling you, you're missing it. Because he is so good. And when you start to pour out what he's pouring into you, it comes like a flipping flood through your body. I said that, didn't I? It does. It comes like a flood. The spirit of God comes. I talked about it last week. When you are born again, you are born from above. You are born of the spirit. Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. Come on. You're not, not, you're not just birthing natural anymore. You are birthing spiritual life, and it is what we are here to do on this earth, in this house, in your house, in this county, in this state, in this nation, in this world. Amen? I just feel so happy. It's hard to focus. <laughs> you with me? <laughs> We've been talking about three words the last three weeks, identity, intimacy, increase. For the last two years, if you've been with us, you know we've been focusing hardcore on identity and intimacy. Identity and intimacy. Out of your intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, your identity flows. You can't know who you are in Christ if you don't know who he is because you are who he is. Come on. You are who he is. So you knowing who you are is not a self-realization. It's a knowing Christ. In you, the hope of glory. That's good news. Because it's not something we have to strive for. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try and be good. When you're in relationship with Jesus, all the things the enemy tries to get you to do falls off and you have no desire for them because your desires become his desires. Hallelujah. How many of you experienced that freedom? That's the freedom he wants you to walk in every single day. Religion would say you have to work for it. You have to be good. You are already good because you are in Christ. 
So out of being intimate with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on a daily, on an hourly, on a minute basis, you then know who you are. I am a daughter of the King, and I will walk like a daughter of the King. Come on. My daddy owns cattle on a thousand hills. He lacks nothing. That means I lack nothing. That's not about money. That's about every, he said, I'm your provider, Jehovah Jireh provider. This is the gospel, and it's good. And when you know who you are, then the automatic outflow is increase, increase of love, increase of compassion, increase of mercy, increase of grace, increase of the fruits of the Spirit. Naturally, when you're with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what are you going to pour out? Anger, bitterness, rage, lust? No. Hallelujah, you're free from all that. You pour out the goodness and grace of God all over everybody you meet. Oh, man, I was just with Susan, and I, was, I felt like I was with Jesus. Come on. Okay, focus. Here we go. When you cut Lifeway open, what does she look like? I've gotten a glimpse of that this week in the food pantry. We happened to be out just chatting with a couple of the leaders, and we were in between the doors, and I helped open a door for a lady, and she came back in, and she said, you guys are so kind here. You don't make me feel bad for having to be here. You make me feel like I should be here. When you cut Lifeway open, and I didn't, I didn't serve her. She was served by everyone else in the foyer, not me. I just opened the door. That's all I did. But that's the thing. When you cut the body of Christ open, what should she look like? Him. What should she talk like? Him. What should she sound like? His love. What should she bleed? The love, the blood of Jesus. Amen? So we talked about activating for harvest and how we activate is we are in harmony with one another. We are in brotherly love with one another. How many of you, you feel like this morning, this is family. I don't know why, but I, I just met these people and they feel like my brothers and sisters. This is what heaven looks like. It's, it's going to be so much better than this, praise God. Every tribe and every tongue. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm excited for that. The kingdom is in us and is ever increasing. Jesus said it. The kingdom is here and it is within you. So when you live like him, when you move like him, you are bringing kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I said this last week, you know, we talk about dominion, we talk about ruling and reigning with Christ. That doesn't mean lording over our community. That means sacrificially loving our community. Come on. That means humbly serving. That means buying shampoo and conditioner for someone who has been enslaved. That means doing whatever we can to help our neighbor. It's because if what he's done for us, not because we're trying to be good, but because Jesus is that good, we can do this with just the generosity of his heart. And it's, it's, it explodes out of us. I know. Oozing, grooving, exploding. I like adjectives. When we walk as he walked, we see his kingdom increase. And in John, it says, walk as he walked. Come on. Woo. Isaiah 9, 7 says, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Let me repeat that sentence one more time. There will be an end 
to his government and of peace? There will be no end of his government or of peace. <laughs> Come on. Remind yourself of that right now. No end of his government, his peace. Ooh, think about that. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. I love that line. From then on and forevermore, the kingdom is ever increasing. Is it? We pray for our president. We pray for him and we honor the leadership above us, but we are of the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, Trav and I were talking this week, and there's nowhere in the Bible, and I'm not saying, be careful what you hear me say, but there's nowhere in the Bible that says fight for your freedom of speech. That is an American privilege. That's a privilege of the Constitution that was set out. But in the Bible, it says love everyone. Be at peace with everyone. Pursue righteousness. Pursue peace. In that, then, we are able to walk in our inalienable rights as Americans. But we walk as believers in Jesus Christ first. That doesn't mean we sit down and shut up. Okay? Hear me. But what are we doing it for? Are we fighting because we deserve it? Or are we fighting because everyone needs to know our king? Okay? All right. I'll get off that topic. But I just want to say this. Will the kingdom ever stop increasing? Will his government ever end? What kingdom are you of? What government rules over you? Come on. And then that should govern how you interact in your culture and in your community. Okay, I said I was getting off of that. Okay, increase is the word. When you're in the king, when you're in the kingdom, increase is a natural result of relationship. And we think of increase, we think of like money. Yeah, I'm going to get a lot of money. No, that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an increase of love. The law of love. You're going to get an increase of compassion, an increase of mercy. The word increase in the Greek is plethos. To increase, to be increased. Fullest measure. Come on, press down, shaken together, running over. That is the life that Jesus has for you, abundantly full. Woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. Increase, increased, increasing, multiplied, multiply, surely multiply. All the meanings of this word, one word, okay? Multiplication, increasing. It's not past, okay? Increased. You know, when we read in the scripture, it's not a past tense. It's a, it's a current tense. It's right now. You are to be ever increasing in glory right now. Hallelujah. Romans 4, 17 through 19. I don't know if I said it. I read Isaiah 9, 7 before. But this is Romans 14, 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. What are we supposed to be going after right now? 
The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And it is for peace and the building up of one another. Come on, it's not for tearing down our brother. It's not for fighting and bickering on Facebook. It's not for arguing about our point is right and your point is wrong. That's so hard sometimes to just lay it down. But it is the matter of whether right or wrong is the matter of are you loving that person like Jesus loves that person? Are you building them up or are you tearing them down? Come on, heart, hear this. Increase comes when we walk like the king and we talk like the king and we act like the king. Amen? Hey, Nate, stand up for me. I'm not going to make you speak. Don't worry. Poor guy, he just went white. Uh, so this is Nate. Everybody say hi, Nate. This is one of my very good friends, Nate Raber, and he is our co-head of our security team here, and Nate is, what do you do for a living? I uh, work on a farm. He's a farmer. Okay, any other farmers in the house? All right, looks like you may be the only one. So for today, you can sit back down. Thank you, Nate. We're all farmers. All right, you're a farmer. Whether you want to be or not, you're a farmer today. So I want to read to you. We're talking about increase. We're talking about multiplication. And 2 Corinthians, it's on the screens. Chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 6. This is out of the New American Standard Bible. Give you a minute to get there. You can follow along. This is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. And Paul says, now this I say. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. All right? Pretty simple concept there, right? Sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace... Okay, what does the word grace mean? God's unearned, undeserved love, favor, and enablement. That's his grace. The unmerited favor of God towards man. That's how John Piper defines grace. The unmerited favor of God toward man. He is able to make all grace abound to you, overwhelm you, so that always, say always. So that always having all sufficiency Leslie already touched on this. Do you know in the Greek what the word sufficiency means right here? Independently wealthy, needing nothing. You'd lack nothing. In Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, you have all that you need to do what God has called you to do, created you to do. You have all sufficiency in everything so that you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now here's what I want you to hear. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. That means generosity. You will be enriched in everything for all generosity, which through 
us is producing thanksgiving to God. Here Paul was encouraging the church to give to those who are in need. And he says, through your generosity, through the seeds that you sow, it is producing thanksgiving in the hearts of those who are receiving the blessing. It's like when we give to Tusk Against Trafficking, there's going to be thanksgiving pouring out of the hearts of those who are receiving those gifts. Thanksgiving to God, not, not us. It's not our glory, it's not our name. I don't even care, they don't even have to know who's giving them. It's the kingdom. And you reap what you sow. Here Paul was talking about financially sowing. We are today talking about any kind of sowing. Not just of your finances, sowing in love, sowing peace, sowing forgiveness, right? Sowing your time. I like how the Passion Translation translates verse 10 here. First, he, talking about God, supplies every need plus more. Then check this out. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. As you are sowing the seed, he multiplies it. It multiplies in your hands as you faithfully sow the seeds of love, kindness. When we cheerfully and generously sow seeds of love, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, God multiplies the seed we're enriched in every way to be even more generous in every way. And his kingdom increases. That's what we're talking about, right? Intimacy, identity, increase. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Because the kingdom is increasing on this earth through the church, being who the church has been called to be. The gifts and resources God has given us should not be hidden. Hide it under a bushel. No. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. Because so often we want, we, we feel like, you know, what we have really isn't as special as what they have. So we're not even going to try. I'm not as good of a speaker as she is, so I'm not even going to attempt to get up here and speak. I don't know as much of the Bible as Pastor Larry and Ruthie do, so how could I ever feel like I could lead a small group? I don't have enough money to pay my bills right now. How in the world could I be generous? And we make these excuses. The gifts and resources that God has given you should not be hidden. They shouldn't be foolishly devoured or thrown away, but cultivated in order to produce more crops, more harvest. Cultivate the gifts that you have been given. God gave them to you for a reason. Don't hide them. Don't throw them away. Cultivate those gifts. Step out in faith. We already read, you lack nothing. He will equip you. He will empower you. More crops, more harvest. Let your light shine before all men. Amen? Let your light shine, William, right? 
William and Casey, they lead um, Celebration Place. It is the children's ministry arm of Celebrate Recovery. William, a year ago, if I said you guys were going to be leading a children's ministry of around 25 kids every Thursday night, would you believe me? Probably not. Because honestly, William is a very busy guy. Yeah, give him a hand. William and Casey have been married for going on two years. He's very busy with his job. They have three kids at home, one on the way. And they could have made the excuse. Increase and multiply. Increase and multiply, that's right. Hey, hey, we've said it right. From intimacy comes increase. And that is straight from scripture, folks. But listen, my point in this is they could have given any excuse, good excuses, to not do what they're doing. We don't, we're busy, you know, we don't feel like we have the time. What in the world, how are we going to disciple 25 kids at one time? But they were obedient. And God is blessing them, he's blessing Celebrate Recovery, and those kids who come every week, who need a safe place, who need to encounter the love of Jesus, they have that opportunity because these two said yes. Amen? More crops, more harvest. The gifts that you have, they are the means by which you plant the seeds. If you're a banker, like Pastor Scott, our youth pastor, he's going to use you in that place to plant seeds that will become a harvest. If you're a painter, God is going to open doors for Bradley to be able to love people like Jesus does. With those he comes into contact with at his at his jobs. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you have the most important ministry in raising your children, in discipling them. And God is going to use that to plant seeds that will produce an abundant harvest. We reap what we sow. Listen, the harvest is determined by the type of seeds that are planted. If you plant corn and pumpkins come up, something is wrong. Right, Nate? You plant corn and pumpkins come up, there's a problem. Somewhere in this process, the type of harvest that can be reaped is determined by the type of seeds that are sown. What kind of seeds? Are you sowing seeds of gossip? Seeds of anger? Right? Or are you sowing seeds of generosity and fervent love? Matt, I'm gonna ask you to do something. Hey, Matt volunteered literally 20 minutes before the service to do what he's doing back there, operating our lyric presentation and slideshow. (laughs) Can you go back? It's like the third slide. It says activate at the top. Because this is where this series came from. 
go get, we'll get back to it here. So in the book of Peter, okay, this, this is where this came from. Leslie, would, she said, 1 Peter 3, if you cut us open, this is what we bleed. These are the eight attributes that we are going after here in harvest. A sublime harmony, that means unity. Demonstration of affectionate brotherly love. Keep going. Sympathy. Kindness. Humility. Fervent love. Never retaliating evil for evil, for evil or insult for insult. Speaking blessing over those who mistreat us. These are your seeds. These are your seeds that you are to plant. And from planting good seeds, you will reap a good harvest. All right, Matt, you can go back to where I was before. The type of harvest is determined by the seeds you plant. I have heard multiple people in the last couple weeks say, Jane Miller, when she walks into the room, peace walks into the room. Because Jane plants seeds of peace. Those are seeds of righteousness that produce a harvest of righteousness, of peace. Amen? When we sow with a generous spirit, we will reap an abundant harvest, not under compulsion, guilt, or religious duty, but out of love. It's not about, oh, I have to do this. I have to go here and give my time. I have to pay my tithes. I have to be kind to this person. No. It's not under compulsion or guilt or religious duty. You plant your seeds because of the love of Jesus that you have encountered that you get to give to the world around you. It's out of love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Not by how much you give or what all you do, but out of your love will the world recognize who we serve. All right, I'm gonna tear through these next couple here real quick. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. This is on the screens out of the Passion Translation. Paul here again says, make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. There it is again. The harvest you reap reveals what was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Amen? And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. It can, it can become tiring sometimes. You're like, I, just, I keep loving my neighbor, giving him Jesus, nothing. I don't see it getting anywhere. I'm just gonna give up because it's frustrating. They, you know, they don't look like I think they should. They don't talk like I think they should. They don't do what I think they should be doing. They don't support who I support. And we can easily dismiss after trying to love them once or twice. But Paul here says, do not get weary. 
Don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. We keep saying it. The harvest is now. Don't say six more months and then the harvest. The harvest is now. Even when you can't see it, he is working. Keep loving your neighbor. Keep serving like Jesus. The harvest is coming. The seeds that you've planted, you will see the fruit. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. How how often are we supposed to do that? Every opportunity. Do you know the word of God says to know a good thing and not do it is sin? To know a good thing and do it and not do it is sin. Take every opportunity that we have to be a blessing to others, to love them. We are recognized by our love for each other. Don't grow weary, church. Keep doing good. The harvest is now. This is how the kingdom increases on this earth. Just like this. Leslie said it. Love. Love is how the kingdom increases. Last scripture here. Okay, that's a lie. It's not the last scripture I thought it was. I'm sorry. James 3. It's on the screens. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show it by his good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. Skip down to verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Did you read that? The wisdom from above is pure, full of peace, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. That's the kingdom. That's heaven. These, oh, I'm sorry, verse 18 then. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. These are the fruits of the kingdom, the wisdom that comes from heaven. These are what is increasing within you. If the fruit is righteous, and guess what? In Jesus, you are righteous. You are the righteousness of Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is dead in the grave. The new has come. And out of your life, the seeds from the fruit of righteousness are what is planted. And they're planted in peace by those who make peace. You you identify a tree by the fruit it produces, right? How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Because it has apples on it. It's simple. Righteous fruit comes from righteous lives. We sow seeds of this fruit in peace as peacemakers. You know the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper, right? We sow seeds by being peacemakers. That means sometimes you have to get a little dirty. Sometimes you have to go through a little conflict or confrontation to bring about true peace and true unity. Not uniformity, but unity. That's being a peacemaker. 
not just brushing everything under the rug and just trying to, you know, out of sight, out of mind, ignorance is bliss. We're not going to go there. We're not going to argue. We're not going to talk about it because I don't want to hurt you or I don't want to get hurt. That's being a peacekeeper. We need to be peacemakers. And that's how the kingdom advances. Souls saved, lives transformed, bodies healed, relationships and families restored, revival in our cities and in our churches. Is that what you want? Revival. Heaven coming to earth. Soul saved. Transformation. Freedom in Jesus' name. This is our vision, our mission, and our culture. Kingdom come. Kingdom increase. Where I move, the kingdom moves because the kingdom is within me. Just as in Acts, when we live at peace, his kingdom increases. This is why Leslie said, go after peace with everything. Live in peace with everyone because right here, this verse. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to what? Increase. That is who we are. Be a peacemaker, live at peace, sow seeds of peace and righteousness, and we will reap an incredible harvest for the kingdom. Amen? Going back to Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. That's you and me. We will see a great light. The light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. Come on. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest. That's what we did this morning. <laughs> you can't help it. When you're seeing the kingdom come and you're seeing people's lives transformed by the king, you can't help but be increased in joy and rejoicing. Amen? Woo. This is Isaiah talking about when the coming of Christ happens. This is what's happening. This is what we get to live in. As people rejoice when they divide the spoils, for you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. Who breaks the rod of the oppressor? He does. Yeah? Woo. For every boot of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and cloak rolled in blood will be burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Praise God. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his kingdom and of peace. So when the enemy is lying to you and saying that, you know, we're losing the battle here, folks. No, we are gaining ground every single day. Hoo and it says from then on and forevermore. That is a promise that he has not stopped working, that he has not stopped moving, that he is not off the job, that he isn't missing the mark. Come on. Suddenly... An angel appeared. Suddenly, the Red Sea parted. Suddenly, we can't stop believing in the God of suddenlies for our country. 
Amen? God is so good, and revival is here. An increase of the kingdom is here. I want to read you a story to finish up the message this morning. I'm not going to hold it up because I can't hold the microphone and hold the book like I would if I was in a classroom with kiddos. But I'm going to read this story to you. It's called The King's Way of Life. I want you to leave this house with this ringing in your ears. This is called The King's Way of Life. Are you ready? I would give you a cookie, but I don't have any. So. <laughs> we can go get some. There's some in the food pantry probably. This is a tale of the king and his sons. In a kingdom, their family was chosen to run. The king was no more and the people were sad. Their father had died. The sons lost their dad. Both sons had been given their very first day a necklace and compass to show them the way. The compass was placed on a chain near their heart. It worn in the light. It was worn in the, it was worn in the light. It was worn in the dark. Their father was kind and he never caused strife. He'd shown them that he knew the king's way of life. The king's way of life was leading while serving, being kind and generous to those undeserving. Rule like a servant and serve like a king. Lifting up others is the best thing. <laughs> I cried the first time I read this to our girls at that part. I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. This is so good. They're like, why are you crying, mommy? Because Jesus. <laughs> Rule like a servant, serve like a king. Lifting up others is the best thing. These were the words the king spoke every day. His message, the motto that he always would say, they'd seen him show it time and again. If you live like me, he said, you'll always win. But the king had ruled with wisdom and grace, wearing his compass through all of his days. His compass had led him. His kingdom had grown. But now his two boys were left on their own. The king's elder son, whose first name was Thomas, was prone to deceit and could not keep a promise. But William the younger was more like his father. The king's way of life was never a bother. Hey, William. <laughs> now Thomas the elder had chosen early on to be selfish and stingy and to do things all wrong. He loved all the wealth that came to a royal, but unlike his brother, he was mean and disloyal. He traded his compass for diamonds and jewels. He could not be trusted. He made his own rules. The younger brother was more like the king. Helping his people made his young heart sing. William was humble and generous too. His compass had shown him all that he should do. The compass had helped him with every decision. He consulted it daily. He trusted its vision. North told him yes and south was no. East meant go fast and west said go slow. The compass had proven time and again, it was not only a compass, but also a friend. Then came the day for a king to be crowned. But Thomas the elder was nowhere to be found. He had left in a hurry during the dark night. He had fully rejected the king's way of life. The nobles said William was now to be king. This was not something he had foreseen. William lacked zeal. He had questions and doubted. Inside his mind, his, his worries all shouted. Would I be enough? And how would I lead? Would I rule like my father and would I succeed? Would father have waited? Would he have walked away and run from his destiny or chosen to stay? While nervously pacing, he dropped his device, the compass that showed him the king's way of life. 
it shattered and broken. It lay on the floor. The gift from his father was now no more. He couldn't rule now. William was sure. Not when the future was so insecure. He gathered the kingdom and told them his rule could, would not continue. He'd been a fool. So the town held a meeting. Three men did apply, men stepping up from the masses who weren't shy. The first man to arrive had such strength in each arm, but his power was just used to cause harm. The next to apply was quite rich and greedy, and he did not share what he had with the needy. The last to apply was loud and compelling, but he spent all his campaign time yelling. The people were worried. They needed a king, but not one who was greedy or loud or so mean. Their younger son, William, in his room all alone, spent his day thinking of all he'd been shown. The guards then announced, now the votes are all in, but none who applied was the one to win. William the Younger had won the town's vote. His name was the one the people all wrote. The people all trusted William's decisions. They knew the young king would now have a vision. The kingdom rejoiced. They now had a king. The music had started. The people would sing. But the humble new king spent his first night concerned. He tried to remember the motto he learned. He woke in the morning like each day before, but was not prepared for what was in store. His compass was gone. It was broken to pieces. He thought to himself, now how can I lead us? William felt lost. My compass is gone. It always showed answers that I relied on. He thought to himself, oh, what shall I do? If only dear father had left me a clue. And just like that, these words came to mind, the same ones he'd heard hundreds of times. Rule like a servant and serve like a king. Lifting up others is the best thing. The compass was in him. The kingdom is within you. He kept wisdom close. He'd lead like his father through highs and through lows. But his people lacked wisdom and he thought of their plight. They depended on his words and the king's way of life. William went away quietly, his hand near his heart, where the necklace had and compass were from the start. As he held his hand there, he looked to the tower. He thought of a way he could use his power. So he called the chief jeweler and spared no expense. His people would each have a compass, a friend. They each gained wisdom through their device. They each could now choose the king's way of life. Then came the day that Thomas returned. He was bruised and battered from the lessons he'd learned. William forgave him and did not cause strife. He gave him a gift, the king's way of life. So remember, whenever you've gone astray, or it feels as though you can't find your way, the king's way of life will be your guide. It's a motto, a compass, a friend on your side. And I believe the compass is the Holy Spirit. He is named our guide in the word. We have the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go. The kingdom is within us. Rule like a servant and serve like a king. Lifting up others is the best thing. Will you stand? I know it was a kid's story, but Trav and I both were like, this is, this is it. This is the king's way of life. 
if it's something that our kids can recall, it's something that I love that. Rule like a servant. Rule like a servant. Rule like a servant. Jesus came to serve, right? He came for the sick. And so often I'm reminded that our purpose here in this valley, our purpose is the body of Christ, beautiful people standing in front of me. Your purpose is to receive Christ, receive the kingdom, and then turn around. Once you have received healing, turn around and give that healing to someone else. You can't let your neighbor bleed out in front of you. Come on. Bandage them. Give them the gospel. And if it means just loving them and not saying a word, that's where you start. But our job here is to impact this valley with the great, great love of Jesus Christ. Out of the love of Jesus Christ, miracles will flow. Out of the love of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's power will flow out of your mouth and you'll be able to prophesy over the people you're interacting with. Out of the Spirit's power and the love of Christ, everything that you long for will manifest in your life. But how do you do it? You know the King. You stay in intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know who you are and you walk in it daughter son come on amen this is good this is so good and I pray this morning that if we feel challenged I, I, I we would lay it all down anything that's standing in the way of us getting closer to the king it's not worth it it's not worth it lay it down if there is an idol in your life, if there's something in your life that you're making more important than the king and his words and his voice in your ear, get it out, throw it away, leave it behind. And he doesn't remember. When you say, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of that way of life, he doesn't remember it. He doesn't bring it back to your remembrance. He doesn't say, remember when you did that? See, you're doing it again. That's not the king's way. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy. He is full of redemption. His way of life is full of love and glory. You will not walk in shame and condemnation anymore. You will walk in the glory and love of Jesus. You're going to walk out of here today feeling completely different than when you walked in. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Why? Because the king paid the price and made you that way. Yeah? So if there's somebody in the house today that you've been just kind of hanging on the edge... You've been hanging on to all this stuff because it gives you security. But now he's saying, just let it go. Follow me. I've given you everything you need right here. Everything you need. I am in you. I am your hope. I am your peace. And I will flow out of you. Just come with me. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. Follow me. Walk as he walked. Walk as he talked as he talked. Amen? It's so good. And it's so simple. Please, let's not make it any more complicated than that. Because it's too good to be true. And we don't want to mess it up with trying to put ramifications on the glory of God. He says, I am coming. I am here. I am in you. I am your hope. Amen? If you need prayer this morning and you want to agree with someone, there will be people in the altar as we close. They will be ready to receive you if you want to pray with somebody. If you want somebody to agree with you. That is biblical, and we do that, and we need to do that. But right now, 